It's time for the 8 Greatest Golf Show with Jerome Espinosa on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team. It's a lock. I hit the 7 iron like John Davey hits the 3. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken yeah. dinner! Jerome Espinosa is a Class A PGA professional and director of instruction at 8 Greatest Performance Center. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! We will talk all things New Mexico golf, hear from voices all around the world of golf, and even give some swing tips to improve your game. All you got to do is just tap it in. Give it a little tappy. Tap, tap, tap-a-roo. Now, Get ready playing golf here's PGA Pro Jerome Espinoza. Good morning. Welcome to the 8 Greatest Golf Show on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team. Alongside Mr. David Muddit. We're both in house for the first time. And we can't hear you. <laughs> We're both in house for the first time in a while. And I forgot I had to use a microphone. <laughs> David thought him screaming would just do the trick. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. We're back in action, in-house, together, before David takes off again. But, I'll, we, be, but I'll be back. As we go week. back and forth in Florida, <sighs> these events that we try to play in, I guess. Try is a good word, yeah. I, I can say I played, but when you miss the cut, it doesn't feel like you played. It's freaking terrible. So At least it's a... You get three rounds before they make the cut. That is true. It's not a two rounder, and then you. Yeah, yeah. The, well, I wish they would have cut it two because then we'd have made it. Ah, uh, you guys choked. Yeah, we did. We oh dear, played terrible day three. What did um, Luis and Devin end up finishing at? They ended up really high. I think they shot like sixty two or something on the last day. But so, for those of you that don't know, there's a PGA golf club down in Port St. Lucie, Florida. And there's three courses, so Ryder, Wanamaker, and the Die. But this year it was different. So they we played all three, and then the last day was on the Ryder, which normally it's on the Wanamaker. Yeah, they've started doing that. They rotate it. Uh, and you know why? Because the members that are down there... Complain. They want the Wanamaker. Because now, I think the Wanamaker is easier of the three golf courses. Probably so. I'd- After they redid the Ryder... You see better scores on the rider typically. I always play better on the die and the one I make. See, I, like I never die. play the rider very well. It's weird. The die is a little bit different. I mean, it's shorter, I guess. You do definitely have a ton of wedges. Yeah, but you but, can also. But I don't. Maybe it's tighter. That's why. Because the Wanamaker. Well, it's a it's a it's a die golf course. It's visually visually very difficult. But in reality, <laughs> it's not actually as difficult as it looks. Which <laughs> people can't. That's hard for people. Well, people have, uh, and I've heard people on both sides, like people hate die courses. I love for die that courses. Reason. I think they're cool. I play every, every every die course I've ever played, I play really well. I, I, I don't know why. Well, once you, once you kind of go around one or two times and understand like that bunker that looks like it's in the way really isn't, then you're yeah. like. Well, I think, I think for me what it does is it makes me, Pick more specific spots to hit the ball, right? True. The one, the one maker and the rider. You're just trying to. You're just aiming down the middle of the fairway on almost every hole. <laughs> the die, you can't do that. That's true. You know, I think that's why I play them well. It, it makes me focus more than just. I could see. Oh, that. look, there's a forty yard wide fairway. Let's just hammer it. Well, the one maker. I think I, I'm. I believe that. Then I 100 yeah. percent agree with that because yeah. the one maker. I, the par fives, I play probably 10 over par because the fairways are 600 yards wide. But they never and look I'm like, it. Just crush it. Yeah. Like num- number, s- number s- seven, for example. Oh. You, you, there's out of bounds right and water left, but there is so much fairway. It's not even funny. You, If you hit it over those left bunkers, you would think, oh, I'm in the water. You're not. You're in the fairway. <laughs> and it, it's, yeah, it's. And it's normally into off the left. That is, yeah, because I mean, I I left frustrated because the Wanamaker was our last day and I played the par fives. I think I buried the first one and then didn't finish another one. And I'm like, this freaking stupid par fives are massive fairways and I can't finish the hole. Like, what is going on right now? That number one is tricky. It, where was the pin? It was middle back on that slope on yeah. the very back. That I hole hit it to like ten feet, but still. That hole is a is a really easy hole when the pin is up front. When you put that pin in the back, it's a much harder because you can't hold. It's very hard to hold the green. Well, the greens. That's what they said. So Mike, my partner, and Micah were like, "These greens are much softer and slower because my ball wouldn't have stayed on the green where it was. It stayed at the top really? of that downslope 
and I hit a hybrid into it. So like, yeah, it shouldn't have shouldn't have stayed there. Yeah, that that hole's way easier with a front pin. Yeah, it's. I mean, so you know those, like you said, the rider they they went Luis and um, Devin went nuts on the rider. Yeah. But again, like I mean, you know, and Mike Zaremba even talked about it. Devin from El Paso, Texas, he hits it so far. It's ridiculous. Even out there, like I yep. think on hole one, I had to hit hybrid into the par five when we were paired with him, and he's got to be hitting six iron. Yeah, it's, and that's at freaking sea level. Yeah, he. I he, mean, he hammers it. It was insane. Like if just, he could, if he could, if he could hit a wedge. I mean, he's not. I'm not. He's not terrible with his wedges, but I'm just saying, if he at that level, though, you have to be. Yeah, he, he he's not anywhere near good enough with his wedges. Otherwise, I can tell you, he'd be almost impossible to beat. Oh, easily. Yeah. The, I mean, those guys, and you obviously, you've played at that level against those guys that are out there all the time. But the guys that win it shot like I think it was like 37 under was the winning score. I mean, they're shooting Bob Sowers and Kern, who win it every year. Yeah. Shot fifty nine on the last day, like that's what those guys do. Is they're just hitting wedges close. They don't ever miss. I mean, yeah. I don't care if it's as a team. Fifty nine is a hell of a well, score. Well, it's, it's you got to ham and egg it, and people don't. So you you could have two of the best players out there that just don't. They birdie the same holes and they finish <laughs> halfway down. I mean, True. you know, but Sowers and Kern obviously. Are both very, 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 very good. So. so those people that are, you know, going to see at Twin this year, well, shoot, it's like a couple months away, isn't it? Yeah. A couple months away, Bob Sowards and Ben Kern are two players that will be out there that are just, I mean, they're solid players. Obviously, there's a lot more of those guys coming in. Um, oh, ben Cook, ben Cook played again. He must be back to. There's, I mean, again, it's like David said, those guys at that level are just ridiculous. And they're. They're working professionals or teaching professionals or whatever. Those guys aren't even the ones on tour, but, you know, um, it's always fun to go out there. You're headed out there this week to go play an individual. They're great. Top two gets in, it said. Top two that aren't already qualified, yeah. yeah. Top two gets in to the Twin Warriors. So it's you, Steve Manning, and Matt Sheehan, the three guys from our section that I saw on yeah. the list going out there to try and qualify for Twin. Yeah. It's the it's last a, hurrah to try and get into twin. Yeah, I mean, I've played th three rounds of golf since <laughs> September 26th or whatever. You're like, fine wine. It'll be just perfect. Ah, uh, whatever. If it, you know, you can always, you can always, can always walk off or you can just is it three rounds? grind it out. It's three, two, two cut and then a third round. Oh, okay. I actually almost won this tournament a few years in 2019. I lost in a playoff to Frank Benzel. Out of New York? Yeah. He's he's great. I mean, he's played in a bunch of PGAs. He's won. Million met sections, probably. Uh, which is probably the he, toughest section in the country. I'm trying to think if he won the senior, the national senior. He was close. But anyway, yeah, we went to a playoff. Through three rounds, five under, we were leading. It was blowing 40 the, <laughs> all three days. We go into a playoff and it's on uh, seventeen at the right of the par five. Yep. I make like a thirty footer from above the hole for birdie. Right, he's got about twenty feet from below the hole, makes it oh on top God. of me. Yeah, and then we get up on eighteen, and I just I hit my drive a little right, plugs right in oh. the lip of the fairway bunker. I couldn't that even get I couldn't even get it out of the bunker. Yeah, yeah, it was ridiculous. Those bunkers in the faces are death. I saw a couple that it was on the side. Oh my god! Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it's those. You know, it's perfect weather out there. It was eighty degrees. Yeah, it's nice. I man. mean, no wind this time, which normally it can get a little breezy. No rain. It was just pure as you know. The golf courses are. Uh, we've said this before, but they're in really good shape. So yeah, we'll see if they get them a little bit quicker than they had them. And that's weird. That that. When I first started going out there years ago, that those greens were never very good. The courses were not in great shape. They got a new superintendent, I don't know, maybe eight years ago. 
and I think put some money into it. And they're, they're always really good now. Well, I'll tell you this. So it was interesting. This I didn't go last year. Two years ago I went, but you and I traveled together. But I've noticed that those greens have a, a different grass creeping into the green. This was the first year I saw it. Probably fescue. So I don't know what is creeping into those greens, but I'm like, what are these patches all over the place? Uh, yeah, that's, so I don't know what's going on. Normally it's Bermuda popping into yes, other types this of is grasses. Different. I wonder if it, it... It looked like it was a different kind of Bermuda or something. Was it thicker? thicker? Yes, a, thicker. I bet that's dark, a fescue. A dark green. That's fescue. Creeping into the greens, Death. and I'm like... Or a disease of well, some sort. Maybe it was a disease. I don't know, but that's creeping into those greens over there. And it to me, it seemed like Poana, the Poana for Bermuda. I'm like, this is weird. It's freaking yeah. creeping into these greens. And that's, I mean, there's some spots that you hit a putt and it, I mean, it. I wonder if it is Poana, but they're a little too far from the water for that yeah, Poana to rip. Can Poa go over there? I, I mean, anytime you're next to the ocean, Poana can be a problem. But they're they're, they're that, kind of they're, far. Yeah, they've got to be twenty miles from the water. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, and this week in golf is the the craziest week in golf. This is the first event that's elevated too. So this is the first one of the PGA tour that the purse is like twenty million. Second one. Is it the second one? The the tournament of champions had a massive purse. First place was the purse oh, may have not been right. as big we because there's only that. like thirty players, but first place was three like that's two point right. seven million or something. We talked about that. Yeah. So this week is a full field. Can you imagine the PGA, the Southwest section, and how much they made on those qualifiers? Because yeah. how many guys I mean, to be honest, yes, it's really hard to get in, but it's kind of worth a shot if you could get through the pre qualifier get through the Monday and give yourself a chance at that purse. Like, not that it's easy. I'm not saying it's no, easy it's a, at it's all. No, it's a dream, isn't it? But the reality of it is, right, even like Will went and did the pre-qualifying example. Oh, he did? Yeah, Will's played on tour, won the Colorado Open, had an unbelievable year last year working and playing. Um, even if he gets through the pre-qual, which he missed by a couple, shot 66, I think, missed by a couple. <laughs> In a pre-qualifier. Did you hear that? 66. Even if you even if you get through that, you get to a Monday. Right, so let's say there's 10 pre-qualifying sites. Which probably was. Probably. It's got to be close to that, yeah. right? It's got to be close to that. Each one of those has one or two spots, right? You get through that. That's on a Tuesday. That's the, probably, what, 140 people each? Yeah. At like, each spot? At least 100 each, right? So you're looking, you're looking at a thousand people for that, and then you got the people that come for the Monday that don't have to do the prequal. <laughs> so you've got through a prequalifier on Tuesday or Thursday. <laughs> so potentially you're there from Tuesday. You get through. You wait till Monday. You get through that. Miraculously, that's a field of 156 <laughs> for three spots now, right? And then you got to stay for the tournament. And if you miss the cut, you've just been there for two weeks <laughs> with nothing, with no income, none donated the whole time. You've been paying money the entire time with no money coming in. Now, yeah, you go, you make the cut, you finish 20th. Yeah, well worth it. Can change your life. That's why people do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the reality of it that people don't realize of what I just explained is let's say there was a thousand people. Three people get in the tournament. Three so the other 997 <laughs> have spent thousands. thousands of dollars. And they get not. I mean, I don't want to say they get nothing from it. It's experience and, and you know, it helps you with the next one. But how many of those can you possibly do? Oh, my gosh. You're, I mean, you're right. And, and I don't know, but just and everyone knows this, but like being in Florida – like food's expensive, eating's expensive, your hotel's expensive, yep. gas. I'm just like, it, uh, good night. It like, ne never ends. This is unbelievable. Like, yep. you know, I've done a, I've done some. I always used to do the Byron Nelson one because I lived there. Uh, I've done the Phoenix one once. You should do the U.S. Open one every year. U.S. Open's probably the best, the best deal in golf. Yeah, I mean, it used to be a hundred bucks. Now I think it's two hundred. Um, but to get out of our little area is not the hardest thing in the world. It, yep, it, it's yep. doable. You, Especially UNM. Yeah. 
you know, sometimes four I days. got out when it was at twin. That's the only time I ever got out of it. But And then you go, and if you win your site, you get to choose whatever sectional site you want. Which you, <laughs> you are guaranteed whatever you ask for if you win your local qualifier. That's soon, too, by the way. It's The sign-up is probably open. It's normally May. For the U.S. Open. It's always, like, early May. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Our qualifier is, like, May 5th or something normally, yeah. Yeah, but then you then you go to your sectional sites, and they're actually realistic. Like, they're not... And they're not massive fields. It's still very, very difficult. Don't get me wrong. But if you win your local, you can then go to the tour site where there are, there are like 30 spots. That's true. True. Now, you're playing against all the tour pros that aren't qualified, so it's, argue- it's arguable whether that's easier than going to a small site where there's only two or three spots, but you're not playing against as good a players. I would I'd go take my chances more. of the 35 spots over the two spots. I mean, you never know. No. That's you- where golf, and we've said this before, like, golf is so crazy. And, like, I can go and beat, I don't know, Brant Snedeker on one 18-hole day just because I get hot and yep. he's terrible. Yep. But I would venture to say that I could never beat LeBron James in an NBA game. Ever. No. But that's where golf is so weird, like you said. I'd take the chance of 35 spots. Like, who knows? Yeah. I mean. So, the one time I got out, I... Ended up going to Lakewood was my site, which is where I worked for two years. Uh, I finished sixth. The top five that year all played in the U.S. Open at Marion. Jordan Spieth, Ryan Palmer, Ed Law, uh, and I forget the other two names of the guys that ended up getting in. But it, that, that's a great deal for you, for you guys that want to see a- how good you are. That that That's the one to do. Do your local U.S. Open qualify. You don't have to travel. You know, you can kind of figure out. Okay, I'm. I need to get better. Or okay, you know, this is this is doable. I only there's miss- there's a bunch. We'll talk about them at the on the other side of the break. But there's a bunch that you can do that aren't even the U.S. Opens. But um, all right, we got to take a quick break. I'm Joe Espinosa, director of instruction. If you're in need of club repair, please email me at gespinosa This is the Eight Grades Golf Show on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team. Let's get back to the 8 Greatest Golf Show with Jerome Espinoza on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team. Welcome back to the 8 Greatest Golf Show on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team. I'm Director of Instruction at 8 Greatest Golf. You'll hear myself and David Mundt talking golf, New Mexico golf, Saturdays 10 to 11 a.m. And we're back. We were just talking about U.S. Open qualifiers, but there are several other qualifiers that um, if people want to try and do, I think one of them that we that I think it wasn't around when I was doing the amateur, but I think it's awesome is the four ball qualifier. And that one gets you into a uh, national championship right away. Um, oh, normally yeah. it's out yeah. at Canyon club. Yeah, normally that- Canyon club hosts it, but it's you and a partner. Um, you know, and again, it's tough. They're all tough, but that one has a probably a little bit less pressure because if you bail out, at least your partner has a ch- chance to maybe make a good score. Um, yeah, no, that that that's a really cool one, yeah. I mean, in that one, I think a couple years ago, uh, Aiden Craft and a guy named Ross Stewart, they went to, like, Chambers Bay for the National. Yeah, yeah. Like, you get to go to some cool places, but there's a mid-am qualifier that you could try, so that's 25 and older. Again, these are all USGA events like David was talking about. They're similar to, obvious, well, I guess I can't say they're similar to Monday qualifiers or any of that sort of thing, but... There are qualifiers that you can kind of see, you know, where your game stacks up. And um, the mid-am is a good one because, again, it's 25 and older. So some people always complain about the college kids. Like, I got to play against a college kid. Well, the mid-am um, is, used to be for the working guy. It's not so much anymore, but it's a good opportunity to do that one. Uh, um, I'm, I can't believe they got rid of the, uh, the public links. Yeah, that was great. No, the pub links was really good. The pub it was links basically was for, for, for public golfers. Yes, yeah. If you were a member of a country club, you, you could not play, qualify. Which people found ways around that, but for the most part, yeah, it was. No, that was a good one. Yeah, uh, yeah. They got. I don't know why they got rid of that one. I mean, well, the four ball is the one that replaced it. Oh, well, and the four ball's gotten popular. Um, I know the one at New Mex out of New Mexico. 
um, used to only get one spot, but lately, because so many people are coming into that qualifier, you're getting like two or three spots. It's like it's like our senior U.S. Open qualifier here. It's one round, and a bunch of people have figured it out. Yeah. It, it's one round. Get super hot for one round. Come to Albuquerque instead of going to a Phoenix or a Dallas yeah. or, you know, don't don't get me wrong. We, you know, you Brad Lardens, you Bill Harvey's, these guys are still very, very good players and can shoot some great scores, but you have less less people to beat. There's no two ways about it. Well, I mean, it's like kind of you said a little bit, right? It's like if you have to beat three people, you take your chances, but if you go to a Dallas or a yeah. Phoenix or a Colorado site... And there's there's forty or fifty dudes. guys that can that it's can do it. It's a lot too. harder. Yeah, no two ways about that. But yeah, I mean those those are coming up, and you can kind of, you can find those on USGA, I believe, dot com or something. Just go take a look at championships. And they, again, there's some. They've some now even have. got uh, a women's senior yes, amateur. They added they that a couple of years ago too. Yeah, I mean and. You know, I've t- I think we talked about this earlier that they had one at Pinehurst, but they have a disabled one, like oh, yeah, for severely that. and profoundly yeah. disabled people. So, and and they have different sections. So there's like blind, there's amputee, there's wheelchair, like all kinds of. They've added that. I could probably find a way to qualify. <laughs> yeah, I've got so I've definitely got some sort of disability. Well, what are the yeah a, a mental disability, <laughs> a mentally de- deranged David Muddit qualifies. I mean, they can't. They can't. They can't tell me I'm not disabled, right? <laughs> well, who are they to determine? A PGA golf professional won the wheelchair one this year. Really? Because he's, yeah, he's like. So you're allowed to play as a pro and an am? It's a USG event that's open to I pros and ams? I think so. Because that, that's that cool. one must have some sort of obviously different qualifications because he wasn't, he is in a wheelchair. I shouldn't say was. He is in a wheelchair. Yeah. So he had the little, you know, the one that goes to the side. He was in the wheelchair just for the week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's, they find him at his club. I'm pretty sure he What do they do about the parking for that tournament? They've all got the blue tags. Yeah. I'd, it's at Pinehurst, so they do whatever they want, I'm sure. Yeah. There's plenty of parking there. Uh, do they play number two? I don't know. Well, what, isn't there like 13 of them at Pinehurst? Seven, I think. There's eight, maybe? Seven or eight, I think. A billion of but them. But two's the one that, two, when you say Pinehurst, number two is the one that is has hosted all the US Opens. And, yeah. Yeah, there's. A bunch of those so who knows what's going on with them but back to the the phoenix waste management phoenix has a massive <laughs> weekend and they i think they did it a couple years ago too where they have obviously the waste management it's, which is it's like, like every the, four or five years now the super bowl's <laughs> in phoenix and it's on the same sunday as the <laughs> golf tournament i mean i couldn't imagine i could not imagine you got the waste management who has obviously i haven't been there but people have said that like 16, 17, 18, like all those holes are almost fully enclosed. 16 obviously is. It's basically a freaking party in the middle of a golf course. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, isn't it? And have you been there? Someone told me that they're like, you can go to like all the other ho- other holes and watch all the golf you want. Yeah, no one's out everybody there. is on 16, 17, those three 18. holes. And the clubhouse, yeah. Where it's just massive parties and madness and... It's oh. carnage. It's absolutely car- Do you remember? There was a video years back. I don't know, maybe five, six years back of the guy trying to walk out. Oh, and he was at <laughs> he like was a, f- he was at like a 45 <laughs> degree angle and tilting and tilting. And then he finally fell over. That it, I remember that. That was classic. So that's this week. And it, again, we said it's an elevated event. So they have massive amounts of money in there. Is Rory... Yeah, he's playing. I just looked. So John Rom, I saw this this morning. Unbelievable, dude. These guys, they never cease to amaze me. So an instructor was behind John Rom, and he goes, "All right." And it, I don't think it didn't look well. Maybe it was on the course, but they said, "Give us. I want you to get after this one. Hammer this ball." Yeah. One twenty-seven swing speed. Oh my god. One eighty-eight ball speed, and I'm just like. I think it said like the number said that it carried like three forty two and finished three sixty something. What the hell? And it's just like I need a driver and a dude, lob wedge to get that far. I mean, these guys are unbelievable. You've seen Tony Finau with like and that and those numbers going after it are nothing compared to some of the others either. Like Rory could get to two hundred, Finau could get to two hundred. Dude, it's unreal. 
Like these guys are unbelievable. That I'm seeing these things and freaking out. And I I've actually become a John Rom fan. I really like John Rom. He's become one of my favorites. But why? I just I just like him. I like his demeanor. He's obviously his really demeanor. Good. Yeah, he's good. He's demeanor off the course or on the course. Both. I like. He's chill. I like the way he answers. A, he loses it on the golf I course. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. Some of the best golfers in the history of time lose it, <laughs> but they're able to drop it very quickly. Now that's where he's improved. When he first came on tour, had all the talent in the world, but when he lost it, he was gone. he was done for holes. He like he would have a six hole stretch where he's just like. <laughs> Wants to kill his caddy, and he's <laughs> yelling at himself. He start he he's starting to figure that out, and I think that's why you're starting to see him play a lot more. They said at UNM because he played the Tucker that it was like that, like he was just a mess. Yeah, just lost it. But I I like how he approaches the media and answers these questions. I mean, I'm not against Rory at all. I like Rory too. Rory's pretty cool, and it's it's kind of interesting to watch him and Patrick Reed and all that stuff, and because they were saying stuff, and then Patrick. Roy McIlroy came back and said, yeah, like, I mean, I'm not saying that he cheated at all because the people were trying to say, yeah. you know, they're trying to get him in some sort of spat. And Rory kind of stood up for him and said, no, like, I mean, how can you see the ball, like, go in the tree, like, you guys have video and all this stuff, which, you know. Well, that is something that, yeah, we have the advantage of seeing replay after replay after replay. Here's one shot to see it and it was 300 yards away in a tree like (laughs) a palm tree at that like they're not even now if if anybody else had have said what he said it it wouldn't have even been questioned no but he's done way too many (laughs) things now to to be believed he may truly believe that was his ball in the tree he said he saw it but there are about I don't know how many golf watchers there are, but let's just say there's 500 million of them. None of them believe him. No, no. no none of them. Especially after what Peter Costas said. Peter Costas is the one that basically like said, Patrick Reed's a freaking cheater. Yeah. Well, like, And I've seen him on the golf course. I, I don't know about any like changing of numbers or, or that sort of cheating, but when I give up any hope was in Tiger's event when he put his wedge behind the ball and then took it back and moved all the oh, sand that was yeah. behind the ball and the practice swing. It's like every single golfer, professional golfer, knows that is against the rules. I know he wasn't in a bunker and he can ground his club, but you he improved his lie. <laughs> Blatantly improved his lie. <laughs> 100%. Well, and it, again, it's people have said, there's been more than one person that said like, you know, if your ball is matted down in the rough, yeah. and he did that too, he pushes his wedge and pushes his wedge and works his way where eventually he's like, oh, I can see the ball now. Well, then like, at Tory a couple of years ago too, he marked it oh, to, that's to right. identify his ball. It was deep down in the rough, picked it up. But when you see him put it back down, he doesn't put it to the bottom of where it was. He puts it on the top. puts it on the top of the grass, basically. It it's just amazes me that, not amazes me that people do stuff like that. People do stuff like that all the time, probably, in these events that you don't even know about because no one ever sees it, right? Yep, it's not yep. on television. But it amazes me that he thinks he can do that stuff and give zero, <laughs> can't say the word on the radio, <laughs> give zero that people are watching him. He was leading at Tory when he did that. He knows the cameras are on him. He knows they are. Well, especially, I think that one too was when the new rules came into effect because before you used to have to like announce, right? Like, hey, David, I'm going to check this. Yeah. I'm going to mark this and check this. He did it when the new rules came into effect. We don't have to say anything. Yeah. And people are like, wait, 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 wait. What's going on here? Like, how are you? What are you doing? But it's not the checking of the ball that's wrong. You can always identify your golf ball. Always. No, even if it's in the middle of the fairway. You can mark it, check that that's your ball, and put it back down. You can't clean. In the same lie. You can't clean. Yeah, you've got to put it in the exact same place, right? Yeah, of course. You would never do it in the middle of the fairway because you can always identify your golf ball. But it's got to go back to where it was. <laughs> and it, sudden, it, it, clearly, it clearly didn't. And well, he got that, it up and down. Well, wasn't that the same tournament, too, that Rory had the same exact thing, but Rory did everything like... 
yeah above yeah above water like hey i'm marking this here it is you know you should always tell your your playing partners what you're doing with that always well yeah because then they they're i mean they're the ones that sign. He's the ones. The other guys the one signing your scorecard. And if he doesn't believe that that was correct, why should he sign your scorecard? Yeah, I it, mean, it, you know, like it's like buying a house. You're not going to sign that final document if you don't believe that's the house you want, right? Or they change the price is like yeah. ten thousand dollars more. You're like, yeah, I no, mean, I'm not signing that. Well, especially, especially that guy. Like most people, yeah. you're like, okay, I've played with this guy ten times. Uh, he's trustworthy, but guys that you don't trust, you're like, hold on a second, let me see that lie. What was the event where someone walked over? It was Patrick Reed doing something, and someone who is who he was playing with literally walked over and just watched him do everything. I want to say it might have been Cam Smith. It might be right because uh, and he walked over and that. he watched him do all of it, and you could see Reed was like, what? what? Well. But that's exactly right. I mean, he's protecting the field. Yeah, I mean, and himself, like, I want to see what you're doing over here because you're – and we've talked about this before too. It's not like Patrick Reed needs the help. Like, he's got a phenomenal short game. Well, exactly. It, his, it's a huge advantage for him. The way he got to the PJ Tour does not happen. The way he got his PJ Tour card, you can count how many times that's happened on one hand probably. How did he, he Monday qualified seven times in a season. <laughs> we just explained how hard it is to Monday qualify, right? Three back then there were four spots, four or three. Who cares, right? It's still ridiculous. <laughs> and then he played well in those events to get money to get a conditional status, and then he got enough to keep his card. Nobody does that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a shame that he's viewed this way. You're always going to have villains, and you're always going to have heroes, right? Yep, yep. But it's just a shame he has to be a villain because he's bent, let's just say, bending the rules. We won't call him a full-blown cheat, even though we all probably know he is. <laughs> it's a shame because he's really, 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 really good at golf. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't he doesn't get the credit he deserves for that by the majority of people. And it's his own doing. Yeah, no. You're it's his own doing. right. It's just... It amazes me someone that's that good that feels like they have to do that. That's insane. Don't put it put it back in the exact same spot. Take your bogey, still win the golf tournament, and you're respected. Yeah, nobody cares. They're nobody like, cares now. That was unbelievable. That was awesome. Yeah. I mean, uh, when I that comes to my mind as you're talking through that is like Sevi. Sevi Ballesteros like would hit himself in the worst possible spots. He on some of the most horrendous lies, and I'm like. How did he just hit that to an inch? And he'd get up and down with a four iron. <laughs> yeah. Everything. Yeah. I mean, I've, there's a, a cool movie. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called Sevy. Yeah, but it's kind of it. like it's his life. Yeah. I mean, and I wasn't into golf that much when he was playing a ton, but I'm like, this guy was unbelievable. Like, just the shots that he would hit. Yeah. Like, just at the, you know, just at what they used to call the British. I'm like, this guy's ridiculous. Yeah, Parking you, lots. If you go on YouTube. Bunkers. Obviously, you don't get to see them all because it was so long ago. But if you go on YouTube, and I haven't done this, but I've got to imagine you go on YouTube and you search for Sevi Ballesteros ridiculous up and downs. I mean, I, I can think of a few just off the top of my head. That one where he's in the bush, oh, bas yeah. basically laying on the ground. That's right. Yeah. Uh, the other one where he was. He's on his knees on one of them, too. Like, he's gotten out of yeah, yeah. on his knees. Th there's one, I think he might have been at Valderrama. He was in the left trees. There was an out-of-bounds fence kind of in front of him to the left, but he couldn't go right. There were too many trees. He had to he had to slice like a pitching wedge, <laughs> start it over this out-of-bounds fence, and he hit it on the green. <laughs> and it's like, it, 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 he, was, he was ridiculous, absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. But he hit his driver horrendous. Yeah, no, I mean, his driver was horrible, but yeah. he sure was like, I mean, you know, needless to say, that's why, like, at Augusta, he was unbelievable. But I think there's one in his movie. I don't, I think it was St. Andrews. I'm not even sure. But he was between these two bunkers, and I'm like, he has zero chance. Like, and he managed to wheel it around the two bunkers in between them. Yep. And I'm not sure if he made it. 
or it finished he might, like an he inch, might have made that like, one i remember that yeah i mean he won uh what did he did he win three opens two opens i don't even know what he won i think he won i think he won three masters and two opens man i'm gonna look that up he was i saw him do a video someone posted a video clip of him and they were like how to hit um sevy teaching how to hit a flop shot and i'm just watching this and i'm going dude the person that tries this like i'm sorry you have zero chance with sevy and like i mean he was doing these like you said he was hitting four irons out yeah, of it's down the sand of the beach as a kid like and someone's gonna try to like do this flop shot that he does and the ridiculous hands that he has there's there's no way like absolutely no way so he won three opens and two masters so five majors and did i can't remember i thought they said it should have been that other masters too but that's the one that he hit it on 15 like in the water and he lost he lost one of the masters because he was on 15 so that I believe was the '86 Masters, which we all yes. know. We all know who. Jack, what, right? If you don't know who won the '86 Masters, then you should probably get on the internet and look it up a little bit. But <laughs> there were so many people that should have won that one. Greg Norman oh, should have won that one. Seve should have won that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Greg Norman was in the middle of the fairway. So it was Seve. Yeah. And Norman hit his forearm so far right of the green, it was almost a shank, basically. Yeah, they the, everyone fell apart. Didn't Norman have like a massive lead too on that one? No, that was ninety six. Oh gosh, that, that was, was when Sir Nick Faldo beat him. He had a seven shot lead. Oh, for Pete's sakes, dude! Faldo shot a bogey free sixty seven, and Norman shot seventy seven. That's heartbreaking. There you go. Oh, that's. I mean, yeah. I mean, those guys are just. I like the Sevy one because it was cool to watch him. And if you haven't seen that that show, that's a really cool show. It's called Sevy. I don't even know if it's free. I think it is, but it's it was on Netflix. It's awesome to watch. Yeah. Um, speaking of Netflix, PJ Tours, they have a show coming out soon. Is that coming out? Is it Netflix? I'm pretty excited. I'm, I don't know when it is, but it's soon. All right, we got to take a quick break. I'm Jerome Espinosa, director of construction at Eight Grady's Golf, alongside David Muddit. This is the 8 Greatest Golf Show on ESPN Radio, 1017 The Team. Let's get back to the 8 Greatest Golf Show with Jerome Espinoza on ESPN Radio, 1017 The Team. Good morning. Welcome back to the 8 Greatest Golf Show on ESPN Radio, 1017 The Team. I am Director of Instruction at 8 Greatest Golf. You'll hear myself and David Muddit talking to Mexico Golf Saturdays 10 to 11 and is New Mexico Golf's Maybe starts to crank up. I don't know. This is the worst time of the year. I hate it. February, March, where it blows 40. Oh, it's freezing. Cold. I mean, we had snow. I get home and it's snowing. Yeah. 80 to snow. I had a good amount of snow at my house Tuesday night. But people told me the week before that, oh, golf courses were great. It was perfect. I'm like, what is going on? Monday was like 64 degrees. Oh, my gosh. And then Tuesday night, it's (laughs) snow. Uh, well, that's the day I got home. So, shouldn't have came home. Super Bowl. Who's going to win the Super Bowl? I think Philly. I think Kansas City are too beaten up. They are. I mean, they're, I didn't realize how many people they're missing. They're missing it's, a lot of players, yeah. Is Mahomes going to be okay? Mahomes. At least they get two weeks. Well, I mean, yeah. They've. I mean, they can get at least him somewhat healthy but now if i had yeah if i had to pick i i think i mean the eagles have just cruised the entire season basically cruised through the playoffs they didn't have to maybe play the caliber of teams that um kansas city did but what mahomes did to beat San Francisco is pretty ridiculous. Well, San, both those teams are like San Francisco is like on the fourth quarterback. Like they're freaking missing all kinds of people. That, I, I just think it was just. I think uh, I think the Eagles are just in a much better spot. But you never know. It's one game, isn't it? Well, that happens all the time, right? It's like these guys. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that they just, can't handle the Super Bowl just because how big of it is and how 
much fanfare and craziness and half yeah. times longer. There's a lot of stuff that people don't take into account. It's a way different than just your regular game. Yeah. <clears throat> so mean, last year we were talking about it, and there's only two people that have won a national championship and an NFL championship, and they were both named Joes, Joe Montana and Joe Namath. Joe Burrow would have been the third, but he lost in the thing. Did Jalen Hurts win a national championship at Alabama or Oklahoma? I have no idea. No. Back to Google. We should just call me Google Muttit, not David Muttit. (laughs) (laughs) Google Muttit. Oh, that's so good. I mean, I I actually like the Jalen Hurts story and how, you know, he kind of was patient and all that sort of stuff. And was it Alabama? Then he goes to Oklahoma. I mean, I freaking... I appreciate that. I love so I he, love those grinders. He was he he was part of the team that won the 2018 college football playoff national championship. So if he wins a Super Bowl, he will only be the third ever to do that. Does he count? Because he was on the bench. He's got, he got a ring. He's got a ring. We'll count him. We'll we'll go ahead and let him count that. So God, he's only 24 years old. My God, he was born in. Eight, 1998. And he's been in the league a couple of years, too. Yeah. That's what's insane. Insane. It is funny how that some of these guys, you just don't think they will make it. And then you got these guys that oh they 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 can't miss and they yeah. and they're terrible. <laughs> it's, so it's it's a mentality. It, it, it's the same as golf. You have these incredible college players that when they turn pro all of a sudden something changes in their head whereas you've got the other guys that victor perez is a perfect example i spoke about this last week on the show with sean carlone victor perez barely played his senior year for the for the lobos because he was struggling so badly and now he's (laughs) he's a a winner on tour multiple he's he's arguably one of the most successful Lobos yeah. ever. I mean, yeah, he's getting there. True. He's getting there, right? Well, who else would be more T- successful? I mean, Tim Heron maybe won on the PGA Tour a few times. Victor hasn't done that, but he doesn't play the PGA Tour that much. So, yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's one of the most successful You're, Lobos ever, and that's no, incredible to think. With the guys that have gone through UNM and played, yeah. like, that is. Yeah. I think there's something to be said for the grind, like, I mean, you know, for having that struggle, because he knows what it's like to struggle and fight and crawl and scratch. That can go two ways, right? I mean, I mean yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you embrace yeah. it and keep going, um, that could end up being, you know, one of your greatest assets where, who knows, maybe the guy that was, you know, the starting quarterback is everyone loves him and he has all this fanfare. And, you know, nowadays with this NIL, I've seen a couple things with some of these college, like, football players. And I'm like, this guy is getting paid what? Or he's like and, asking for stuff? And you've seen Saban has, has, has said no to a couple of big recruits because they wanted too much money. He goes, no, if, you, if you're if you not coming here if you're doing that. Well, I saw Jim Beheim. He went off the other day on it because I guess, I don't know how true it is, but he said Syracuse doesn't play, pay their players. And he said that's why Coach Krzyzewski got out. That's why Jay Wright at Villanova got out because these kids are coming in and like, yeah. hey, I want $20 million. They're like, what? It's just these a Florida kid. I don't know how true this these is. These guys getting enough trouble as it is in college. Now you're going to give them a ton of money to get in trouble. It's I I get the argument that these guys make these schools a ton of money. Yes, and that not so much a basketball, but with football, they could be one of the best college players. They're going to get drafted. They're going to make money. But if they get hurt, they're done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I do get that argument and something needs to be done with that but i i don't at the same time it's terrible dude i saw the figures it's for- the same thing we talk about with live and pga tour the, the money ruins everything well yeah especially when you're i mean i don't know not that these kids are giving it i'm not saying they're giving yeah. it they, they've I mean, worked hard for yeah, it. yeah of course but yeah. this florida kid that i saw and i saw a little bit of the contract again i don't know how true it was but he was asking for like $260,000 a month. Like, Siri, I'm like, dude, are you yeah, kidding me? Like, I know. holy crap. Like, what are you talking about? Well, and it's in every sport. And I think every school, 
I mean, it's not just. I mean, obviously, you probably want to be in the SEC if you're football. Like that's probably well, that's where you're going. Texas and Oklahoma are going. <laughs> I mean, if you're a kid getting that kind of money, and who knows? I mean, maybe golf probably the same. I know golf from what I've heard is the club companies give those kids they can sign them now. Yeah, it's all it. It's almost. Yeah, maybe they should get the money, but they shouldn't actually get the money until they're out of school. Some sort of deferred payment or something. Yeah, sort of right. Yeah, you get it after thing. the fact. You don't get it to ruin your college career because there are going to be plenty of those guys that do that. Oh. There's going to be plenty of them. I mean, look at the shooting between UNM and New Mexico State, right? None of these guys are getting paid and they're getting in <laughs> enough trouble. You wait till the. Imagine if they're all, you know. It, well, I mean, they feel invincible as it is, right? Because of the position that they're in, you give them all this money, it it's crazy. It's crazy. Well, just take a look at put yourself at 19 and not even getting the millions, but let's just say they're like, "David, we're going to pay you 300,000 a year." Yeah. At 19. Like, are you kidding me? No one Do You gets know how much that. trouble I'm going to get in oh, at my 19? God. Yeah. And how stupid I'm going to be at 19? Yeah. I mean, all these pro guys, yeah, that are in their early 20s get in trouble and go broke and you, I think they should get it after after their schooling is finished. It should almost be like a, who is it? Was it Barry Bonds that had that that contract with the Mets? Like get a million per year for like life or something like that with the Mets. He played. Who with was them? it? Bonilla, Bobby Bonilla. I don't know. One of the Mets has like a lifetime contract. Barry he, Bonds. He played. No, for it wasn't. I guess it's not Barry because he was in San Francisco. Yeah. I think it's Bonilla. Or, oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's Bonilla had a lifetime contract with the Mets. His agent basically told them, like when he was at his height, like, okay, we don't want this huge contract, but from the year whatever, yeah. for the next 30 years, you're going to pay him a million dollars a year. Yeah. And it just expired like last year or something. He's had that contract wow. for like 20-some years. That'd be nice. But that it? would be nice. I mean, think of that. Yeah. Like when these kids are, you know, yeah. 35 to 45. Okay. Now you get your payment that you I see owed. both sides of the argument, and I don't necessarily know that there's a, a perfect answer for there's it. There's not. The, that, there's too much TV money in college football is a problem, right? I mean, well, Dude, look at the NCAA tournament for basketball. I know. I mean, and then, you know, obviously I get it. Like you said, I'm with you. I get that, you know, they're selling their memorabilia, and they're on EA Sports, these – yeah. Video games, like I totally get that. Like I understand that. But you are still getting a free education. You know, you get taken care of way more than you probably should have anyway. Anyway, we probably don't have much time left, but we gotta talk about the Dallas Mavericks and the Phoenix Suns. Did the Mavericks are they part of that trade too? The Mavericks got Kyrie Irving. Ooh. Separate than the Ooh. trade that D- Durant went to Phoenix. But I think, I mean, Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic in your backcourt. Dude, that helps Luka. Massively. He's double teamed all the time and still scores 30, 40, 50 points, right? (laughs) They need a big. Who's that big? They've got that wood. He's pretty big. Powell's pretty big. Uh, They did lose Dinwiddie, which I'm not happy about, but they were going to have to give up quite a lot to get Kyrie. But I would think Kyrie would be cheap because some of these guys don't like him. Well... I think I like Kyrie. I think the Mavericks had to had to do something for Luca. Well, yeah, I mean, because he's unbelievable. That if he doesn't give get, him some pieces to help yeah. him. Now he's got Kyrie. We'll see how the, the rest of this year goes. You know, maybe get someone else next year. And, and I mean, I think already that they have a great chance. They have a great chance to win it with just those two. Jeez. I mean, obviously, Phoenix now are ridiculous. Chris Paul, Ke- <laughs> Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and then, you know, obviously the Western Conference, you've still, West still got the Warriors. And, yeah. Um, but the Mavericks over the years have, have tried to get these big players, and they've just never managed to land them, you know? Well, I, mean, I mean, look what Dirk did. Yeah, they, I mean, they tried a lot to get people around him, and in the end, the way they did which, it is... Why wouldn't you? I think Cuban would be great to play for. Dallas is a great city. It is. It's a great sports town. I I don't know why they... I mean, the Dallas Mavericks are not thought of as like your Lakers, your Celtics, your Jazz. You know, they're 
they're not really thought of that way, right? So I guess when you've got the Lakers offering something to you and you've got the Mavericks offering something to you, it... I'll tell you what, I'd rather pay taxes in Dallas. Well, <laughs> well you don't. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. In L.A. I would much rather. But I am, I am really interested to see Kyrie and, and Luca play together because that, I, I don't know how you stop that. That's going to help significantly. You double-team Luca and leave Kyrie... You double team them both, and the rest of the team are open, and they just have a free for all. Like Kyrie doesn't seem like a selfish guy, so well, n- neither's Luca, and that's yeah. what that's why that's why it's good. I think I think Luca is okay with giving up some of that stardom to win. I mean, yeah. that's what he's there for. I would, yeah. Like, okay, I'm scoring twenty five now instead of thirty five. Yeah, yeah. But I have tons of help, and I'm not getting beat up and quadruple teamed every night. Well, both those players can win a game on their own. Now they have two of those. They only had one. You know, I, I wish they'd have kept Jalen Brunson. I thought he was awesome. Last year with the Mavericks in the playoffs, he was unbelievable. I wish they could have kept him, but they couldn't. See, now you have me interested in Mavericks. I'm going to have to start watching some Mavs. Yep. I love the Mavs. But Phoenix are going to be... Uh, oh, my god, They're going to be pretty... But who knows? I mean, Kevin Durant seems to screw things up wherever he goes. <laughs> I mean, he won, right, with the Warriors, <laughs> yeah. but... Goodness, they, you could have put anybody on that yeah. Warriors team and they put would have won. a monkey won. there, they'll front. Exactly. You, you could have put a rat. Yeah, they <laughs> would have still won. Um, so I'd be interested to see how that works out because Booker's a young star. He's obviously feels like he's the man. Maybe Chris Paul's the glue that, that brings them together. I don't know, but those three are pretty tough. My God, yeah. Well, it'll be interesting. Well, I guess we'll have to we'll, – we'll become a, a basketball radio show here as we watch – yeah, this maybe it can be covered. back like back in the day when you had Dirk playing for the Mavericks and Steve Nash playing for Phoenix. Remember the games yeah, those, yeah, those two true. used to have against each other? Those they were, were unbelievable. Oh, now I'm fired up to watch, so I guess we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on. Well, that'll do it for today's show. There will be a link for today's show at 8Grades.com. We'll be here again next Saturday, 10 to 11, for the 8 Grades Golf Show. I'm Jerome Espinosa alongside David Muddit. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next Saturday. Thank you for listening to the 8 Greatest Golf Show with Jerome Espinoza. Come back Saturday mornings at 10 for the latest stories and analysis from around the world of golf on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team.